Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, the official podcast of Ingenious Prep and your go-to resource for expert admissions strategy. My name is Noelle, and each episode, I'll bring you behind-the-scenes knowledge from former admissions officers about their first-hand experiences reviewing applications. Our strategies have helped countless students gain acceptance to top universities, and we're here to help your student gain that competitive edge and do the same. If you would like to set up a complimentary strategy call, simply follow the link in our episode description, and our expert team of enrollment counselors will work with you to create a personalized plan for admission into your student's dream school. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another exciting episode. Today, I spoke with Ryan, who not only is a former admissions officer at Brown, but also trained admissions staff on reviewing applications. So truly, who better to interview about standing out in the highly competitive pre-med space than Ryan, who knows exactly what it takes to wow admissions officers. He shared so many helpful tips like this one. Be able to say that you've been in these positions, volunteering in a, a hospice center where you are working with people in, in one of their most challenging moments. These are ways in which students develop those crucial bedside manners that, as I was saying before, sometimes prevent students often neglect. And this. Many students forget to demonstrate their ability to work on a team and collaborate with others. So at Brown, we would call these students gunners or trophy chasers. And those were the ones we were trying to avoid admitting to Brown. We really dove into so much in this episode. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Hi, Ryan. How are you today? Great, great. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, before we start, I'd love if you could quickly introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background with our listeners. Absolutely. So I worked in college admissions for nearly a decade. I spent most of my career at Brown University, where in addition to reviewing first year and transfer applications, I conducted the preliminary review of recruited Ivy League student-athletes, trained seasonal admission staff on application evaluations, and I reviewed applications to the BSMD program. Beyond my role in admission at Brown, I also served as a first-year academic advisor. So I was responsible for helping underclassmen navigate the open curriculum. Perfect. I know there's so much to unpack today. I'm so excited to dive more into your firsthand experience at Brown. But I'd love to start by discussing all things strategy when it comes to building a pre-med application. Ideally, around when should students start thinking about applying as a pre-med student and is starting in ninth grade too early? I've never met a student who decided to pursue pre-med as a senior in high school. It seems like most students who want to study medicine have had that motivation since early in high school and sometimes even before that. I think it is important that students start to act on that interest as early as possible because many of the things that help students stand out as a pre-med applicant require prerequisite skills, knowledge, and experience. So in short, I think ninth grade is the perfect time to start developing that four-year plan for a student who knows at that early age that they're interested in medicine. I think a common theme I've been noticing is that it's best to start as early as you can to really set yourself up for success. What classes should students plan on taking in high school if they're really trying to plan things out from ninth grade? Students will obviously want to maximize their STEM courses, typically by taking the most advanced courses in biology and chemistry, whether it be AP, IB, or honors, whatever their school has is the most advanced courses. It's also important to take calculus in a calculus-based physics class because the pre-med track in college requires students to take calculus and physics. It'll be good for students to have exposure to those concepts before they start taking those classes. And for students shooting for admission to a top 30 college, it is also important for them to take advanced courses in other core subject areas. 
So I think English, world language, social science, it's good to be taking those AP and IB courses in those subjects as well. In order to fit all of these advanced courses into the four years of high school, this requires strategic planning. So that often begins in ninth and 10th grade, thinking about where all these courses are, are going to fit. And this type of planning can reveal any potential schedule conflicts and give students time to come up with alternative solutions, such as taking a course over the summer so they can maximize all their course offerings in high school to put forth the best pre-med application. I love that you mentioned taking advantage of summer and taking courses during the summer. Are there any specific summer programs that students should be enrolled in? Broadly speaking, I think it's best for underclassmen to gain exposure through different areas of, of science and healthcare careers. There are several mini med school programs out there for high school students of all ranges. Some of these programs even have programs for middle school students. These programs vary in length and in cost, but my strongest recommendation is that families that are, are going to register their student for one of these programs, that they choose an in-person program. I understand that telehealth is on the rise, but if students think they want to be a doctor, they need that experience in a healthcare setting in person. You just mentioned many med school programs for middle school students. Can you give us some examples of programs that are catered for these middle school students? I did a lot of my recruitment when I was in admissions in the Chicago area. There's the Rubin Mini Med program out there that I believe has some middle school programs attached to it. And then looking at any university campuses now that have medical schools affiliated with them, they often do build out a number of different programs for various ages. And oftentimes the high school programs may be a week or several weeks long. The, the middle school programs will be potentially a day or just a few days, just enough to give them some of that insight into what a healthcare career might look like. This is more about interest development. I want to think of these programs in middle school as the resume boost that'll get them into one of these top colleges, but it does allow the students to develop that interest earlier so that they can maybe narrow their focus when they're starting out in high school. I know we mentioned this very briefly, but with the rise of virtual experiences, I'm assuming it's not an effective strategy for pre-med students to further seek out these online opportunities and that they should really be looking for more in-person programs, correct? I caution students and families when it comes to online options that promise to bolster students' interest in medicine. Students won't know what a healthcare career looks like until they are in that clinical setting. So with that in mind, I think Early in high school, students may want to take an online course through a college or an online provider like Coursera, which can offer them an opportunity to take a class that isn't offered at their high school. And you actually just mentioned Coursera, which piqued my interest because this is something I actually recently learned about and I don't know if I'm late to the game. But do you think this is something to call out in an application if, as you mentioned, there aren't like neuroscience classes offered at their high school? I don't know if it becomes a, a line in the activity list because students only get 10 of those. And I think you'd want that to be something a little bit more substantial. But noting that, definitely sharing that information with counselors and teachers, especially if that teacher is in that subject area. So that can come through in the recommendation letters of how a student has pursued those interests outside of class. I know it's been really popular with some of the pre-med students, especially when it's something related to neuroscience, something that you don't get in their classroom. The beauty of Coursera is a lot of those courses are for free and colleges aren't expecting students that take these courses to be submitting the, the paid for certificates. So if you do have this really intrinsically motivated student, I think these courses are a great way for them to boost their knowledge and awareness of, of subjects that they might want to pursue later on. And from your experience, what competitions or awards are most impactful to include in a pre-med application? 
most pre-med applicants can be the HOSA, which is the future health professions organization for high school students. And many also compete in the science Olympiad. Winning an award in, in research, such as like the Siemens competition or Google Science Fair would also help a student stand out. But beyond the traditional science honors, I've seen admission officers and doctors on medical admission committees moved by achievements in other areas as well. So service awards like the Congressional Service Award, Girl Scout Gold Award and Boy Scout Eagle Scout Award can show a student's dedication and contribution to their community. Music or the arts can show a student's transferable skills in other areas while also showing a passion for something beyond medicine, which many doctors believe is important for counterbalancing the, the intensity of medical training and work. As students are going through and identifying things that they would like to compete for and, and awards that they like to earn throughout high school, I think some of those expected competitions within the sciences is always a, a good start for pre-med students. I love that you mentioned highlighting transferable skills. I feel like a lot of students will be very honed into just pre-med related skills and activities. So when you were reviewing these college applications, what were the qualities that really set certain pre-med applicants apart from the rest? The answer to this question, I think, comes down to the difference between competitive and compelling. Many students will be competitive for pre-med programs. They'll have strong transcripts that include good grades and advanced science courses. Many will even have research and clinical experience. However, to be a compelling candidate, to be an applicant that a college is excited to admit, a student has to make the case of why they want to study medicine and demonstrate that with some experience to support their case. Most students will say they want to be a doctor because they want to help people. But what does that look like? How have they demonstrated that compassion already? I've read a number of applications where it seems like the student has stopped short at watching Grey's Anatomy as their motivation for wanting to help people. But if they don't actually get out there and do it, we have no record or proof that there's somebody that's going to follow through on this in college. So substantive examples that support the student's reason for studying medicine are so important to building a compelling case for admission. I've seen compelling cases where students see medicine as a higher moral calling and they pursued that calling by becoming an EMT or a CMA during high school. Others have even trained as wilderness emergency medicine responders. The point being, what separates the students that are going to be the most compelling pre-med applicants versus those that won't be is the matter of how those students have followed through on pursuing that interest. Can you give us some examples of ways that students can demonstrate this interest and this willingness to follow through? Depending on the state, I understand there are different age requirements for becoming an EMT or a CNA. Those are great ways to get involved. Other things that I suggest doing is volunteering at a hospital and maybe doing a job shadowing experience with different kinds of doctors. Connecting with patients is important. As students go through the pre-med process, they often focus on the clinical or research piece of figuring out what the diseases do and, and how to cure them. But what they often forget about is the most important people in the medical process, and that's the patients. So a lot of doctors that are reviewing applications for, for medical school admissions, they want to know what a student's bedside manner is. Are they somebody that can connect with somebody in the best of times? Can they talk someone through a, a challenging conversation? And this isn't something that I expect a 17-year-old to do, let alone a 25-year-old applicant to medical school, but be able to say that you've been in these positions where you've been working with families as a family member, then will they have a terminal illness or volunteering in a, a hospice center where you are working with people in, in one of their most challenging moments. These are ways in which students can develop those skills beyond just the science. 
that are going to make them really great doctors. And in addition to everything you just mentioned, are there certain types of extracurricular involvements that are most valued by admissions committees? For pre-med students, activities that demonstrate scientific expertise and clinical experiences are non-negotiables. Like applicants need these to even be considered, especially at these highly selective places. In addition to that, it seemed like nearly every successful pre-med applicant made a long-term commitment to a non-academic activity. It could be orchestra, tennis, theater, anything really. And I think that's something that's often overlooked when students are putting together their resumes for pre-med is that they focus so much on doing the pre-med related things that having some other things that help counterbalance all of that stress is something that the admission committee considers. Knowing that a student will be leaving the lab or the library to attend choir practice or play intramural soccer is a good sign that they'll have that outlet during college. I also want to emphasize the importance of allowing students that space and time to find other activities that they really enjoy. The ones that were doing everything for the college application, those were the ones likely to burn out. One of my favorite questions to ask students when I was doing the college admission interview was, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Some students would really struggle with this question. Some gave me half-hearted answers, but it was the ones that showed the general excitement in their response that got me excited about potentially admitting them because I could see what type of impact that energy and excitement would have on our campus. So for parents, as hard as it can be and as risky as it can feel, allowing your students to develop some of this independence throughout high school and their extracurricular activities is going to be important. If they don't want to give up choir to take another AP course, then listen to them. Choir might be the thing that raises their spirits during an intense day of whole advanced classes. As one of my colleagues used to say, mommy and daddy don't get to go to medical school with a student. And so medical school is a way in the future. And, and I understand that it is important to have that family support. I think one of the big things in developing this aspect for students is for the parents to help them establish their independence and autonomy within these safe confines of your home environment. This is what's going to be paramount for their later success. So along with establishing independence, autonomy, which I think are such important skills to learn and nurture, I know that leadership is also something that colleges look for. What are some ideas on how pre-med applicants can showcase their leadership experiences and the positive impact they've had on their community? Leadership is important in college applications, especially at these highly selected schools and especially for pre-med students. I think in part because if you think about it as future doctors, they have to be comfortable being a decision maker and they have to be strong enough to shoulder that responsibility when things go wrong. There are reasons why I'm not a doctor today, but it's important to know that colleges are looking to assess leadership based on their ability to make a difference. You have to understand that at these most selective schools, they're digging into that. They want to know impact. I think students can definitely demonstrate leadership without those formal titles. If they've played an outside role in their community or school, they're going to receive fantastic recommendation letters. And a lot of times it's a recommendation letter that can really push great students into that admit bid. Because when an admission officer hears it from the adults that are writing on their behalf, it creates this cohesive narrative that makes it so much more believable that these are students that are going to continue to make an impact in the college community and then eventually in medical school. While we're also on the topic of leadership, I also wanted to point out the importance of teamwork in an effort to show how impressive students are in their applications. Many students forget to demonstrate their ability to work on a team and collaborate with others. So at Brown, we would call these students gunners or trophy chasers. And those were the ones we were trying to avoid admitting to Brown and to Plymouth. 
they were the students that they always appeared to be all about themselves. And they were great students. They got good grades. They had outstanding test scores. Like I said before, they did all the research and clinical experience that we expected, but they've never actually been part of a team. And whether it's healthcare or in research, you've got to be part of a team. And so they don't know what it means to be individually successful, but see a team lose or alternatively be a part of a winning team, but have a really bad individual performance. This isn't something that a lot of these students have developed. And so I might be a little biased as a former college athlete, but I think a team-based sport like basketball, volleyball, soccer, these are some of the ultimate ways in which people can learn to be part of a team. And I'll also say beyond athletics, in my time reading applications, I feel like theater was one of these things. I've also seen it through programs like the JROTC, Civil Air Patrol, where students are coming together to work for a common goal. I think that the intangible skills that they can develop through these activities can set them apart because when they go into the interview or when they're writing their essays, it's not just a me persona, but they're recognizing the success of others. They're understanding where their own weaknesses are and, and are quite humble in their approach. And having that voice come through with the, the self-presentation of putting their team ahead of themselves and, and taking responsibility when they've made mistakes, like that goes so far in these admission committees. But we don't see it a lot, especially in these highly selective environments where everyone thinks that they need to be perfect. I think that you emphasizing the importance of that is really crucial for our listeners to understand that, yes, colleges are looking for that leadership. But to really flesh out your full application persona, you need that teamwork component. So in addition to being a part of team activities and sports teams, do you think students should also prioritize volunteering experience? For pre-med students. I would say it's essentially required that they have some level of volunteer experience, specifically in a clinical setting. While shadowing a doctor can give a student insight into a profession, colleges want to see students take an active role in the healthcare setting. So I mentioned before, like being a transporter at a hospital or filing paperwork and scribing notes in the doctor's office or being a conversation partner to a resident in a retirement home. These are all great ways for students to volunteer and learn more about the healthcare career. Activity directors at retirement homes are usually really excited to hear from young people that want to spend time with their residents. So if there are any pre-med students listening, get out there and get involved in a healthcare setting. Volunteer your time and learn more about a career that you want to go into. And in addition to getting experience in a healthcare setting, is research experience necessary for pre-med students? And if so, what are the first steps to finding these research opportunities? Yes, this is another just hands down yes. Students should start by identifying areas of interest early in high school. So even before thinking about what am I going to do research in, figure out what it is that they actually enjoy. If a student has the chance to take a class on a college campus over the summer, that's a great opportunity to learn more about a subject area. If they really like that area, then stay in touch with the faculty members. Send a thank you at the end of the class and let them know that you're interested in potentially being part of a research. One of the most common forms of getting research is by going out there, cold calling faculty through just sending emails and getting your foot in the door. And when you're out there sending emails, part of it is identifying the faculty in your area. A lot of faculty will have their emails right on the university website, as well as with their bio about what they're doing research on. I will warn students that this approach is challenging. Faculty are busy, they're teaching classes, they're doing research, they're attending conferences, they're trying to get things published. And so a lot of times students never hear back. 
sometimes they hear back and the faculty will say, sorry, we don't have space or I'm not taking on high school students. So know that this can be pretty tough. I've worked with students that they've emailed up to 50 professors, but all it takes is one yes to get your foot in the door to do that research. And that could lead to awesome things like you attending a, an academic conference or you getting something published and potentially getting a rec letter from a college faculty member, which can make a, a big difference. But if that's the approach you're going to take, persistence is key. One of the alternatives, just to give Ingenious a plug, is that Ingenious offers academic mentorships that pair students with faculty or doctoral candidates to work on research projects. So there are other ways that you can go about finding these. But I do think if a student's wanting to go into that pre-med path because there's so much science involved, it's good to have that research experience. And, and being able to have some of that exposure in high school is just going to be such a key step for being a competitive candidate, but setting them up for success as undergrads. And what is the best way for students to effectively present their research experiences in their college applications? A number of colleges will accept resumes now or allow students to upload additional material. So having that be a part of their resume is key. In addition to that, if a student has put together a paper or a poster presentation and they have an abstract that they could share, that can often be helpful. And, and students can either include that in the additional information section of the Common App or put it in as a, as a supplemental document within their application. It just gives the admission committee a, a better sense of what that research was about. Perfect. Now I'd love to quickly address some special cases. So let's say a student has any gaps or weaknesses in their academic record, like poor test grades, for example. What is the best way for students to address this? There's always the additional information section where they can contextualize that information having a response come from the teacher or counselor related to low grades is always another helpful way because it doesn't sound like the student's making an excuse. But for the pre-med students out there, especially for those that are younger, I would say, let's think about this in a preventative way instead of a reactive way. There is little room for gaps or weaknesses on the academic record. So students should work with their counselor to develop that four-year curriculum plan so that they can maximize rigor while also earning their top grades. And when a student struggles in a class, they should seek out help from their teachers or, or tutoring services. And then just going off the testing thing, because I do feel like there's, I, I don't want to call it misinformation, but there's a lot of noise out there in this world of test optional admissions. And so despite the trend of a lot of colleges adopting test optional admission policies, based on my experience in an admission office and then since being in admissions and working with students and, and helping them through, I just don't think pre-med students should assume that test optional even applies to them. Like the pre-med pool is so competitive that every part of the application matters, including test scores. So if a student doesn't have strong test scores, they should seek out test prep assistance. And if they struggle with anxiety around high stakes testing, then they should find support to manage that anxiety because being a doctor is like a daily high stakes test. One of the things that bothers me with this the recent test optional craze is that I think it sets unrealistic expectations for pre-med students specifically because pre-med students will eventually have to take the MCAT. And then during medical school, they'll have to take a series of tests to demonstrate their knowledge. And then at the end, they'll have to pass their medical board exams. If students don't develop those skills to be a good test taker now, if we just sweep them under the rug and say, you can apply test optional, do we really think they're going to be good test takers in the future when it comes to the MCAT or anything in, in medical school? 
I think instead of avoiding the idea of tests, I think it's better to say, how can we help those students get better at, at taking this test so that they can be more successful in the future too? And that's actually a perfect segue. Ingenious Prep now offers test prep. And I'd love to share some details on that with all of you listening. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You heard Ryan, if your student is thinking about applying as a pre-med student, being a great test taker is a skill they must have. If you want your student to be personally trained by tutors who have scored within the top 1% of all test takers, look no further. At Ingenious Prep, we offer a rigorous program with a total of 24 hours of instruction, two to three hours a week. So whether your student struggles with having certain knowledge gaps, managing their time, speed, and problem-solving efficiency, maybe is feeling anxious about the new digital version of the SAT, or just generally doesn't feel like a confident test taker, we've got your back. Set your student up for success and sign up today for a free consultation call with one of our enrollment counselors today and ask about our test prep services. Now back to the interview. So a fun fact about you is that you actually trained Brown admission staff on evaluating college applications. So you're truly the ultimate expert here, which is so exciting. Can you share a little bit about your experience at Brown, just some behind the scenes knowledge on what it looked like evaluating Brown applications, especially for students applying to the PLEMI program? Yeah, so the PLME program, and, and some people also call it PLEMI, but it's the combined BSMD four-year undergrad, four-year medical school program at Brown. And in the realm of these BSMD programs out there, Brown is pretty unique because it's not a fast track program. You do your full four years of undergrad and then you do your full four years of medical school. As part of the application review process, applicants are first reviewed by the undergraduate admission office. And then if we in the undergrad office think the student has the potential to be a really good fit with us, then we'll send that application on to the medical school to see if they think the student would be a really good fit for their program. So in other words, the only way for a student to be a good fit for CLEMI is if they're first a good fit for Brown. And as I mentioned earlier, Brown has this unique open curriculum that I got the chance to advise students on as, as a first year advisor, but not a lot of schools offer that. And so for students wanting to do CLEMI, they should think about why is the open curriculum something that's valuable? Like what values can they get from not having the restrictions of core requirements? So if a student thinks they would be a great fit for the undergraduate college, then the next step is to look at what's going on in the medical school. So I think it's a two-step approach, but it's also important to know that every BSMD program is going to be a little different. So it's going to require students to do not only the research at the undergraduate level, but to also do research on the medical school to see how the two work hand in hand. You mentioned that the applications are reviewed first by the undergraduate office, and then it gets shifted over to the medical school admissions committee. What are the different things that the med school committee is looking for that the undergraduate committee might not? So as we were reviewing candidates for undergraduate missions, a lot of the times we're thinking first within our own lens. Is the student going to be good for the open curriculum? Would they be a good first year roommate? Are they interested in other specific programs at the undergraduate level that are really going to benefit our community? Will they add a diverse voice to, to the conversation? And for medical school, it is a little bit different. They're also looking for students that are, are top-notch students. And the ones that we're sending to them, we believe are going to be successful Brown undergrads, but they're looking closely at those science courses. They're looking at test scores. They're wanting to make sure that this is a student at a very young age showing the promise to be successful in medical school. 
and being able to pass the medical boards one day in the future. So they have to have a lot of intellectual promise and a lot of grit within their application to stick through such a long pathway to the medical degree. And then for the doctors, more than anybody, they care so much about that clinical experience because a lot of the students that they're going to be reviewing for medical school are coming out of college. So these students have had another four years to get that experience, have that exposure and develop an idea of what they want to study in medical school. Students that are applying to these BSMB programs in high school are on a much shorter timeline. And so being able to show that they've taken the initiative and gotten out there and had a chance to see what goes on in, in a healthcare setting and taking some sort of active role in it too, not just shadowing, but taking notes, pushing patients as, as a transporter, like things like that can be all really important things that'll stick out. And of course, the other advantage that these doctors have is that they're also teaching in, in the medical school. So they have years of experience of connecting with students, seeing what students are, are the most successful and, and paying attention to those outcomes. Um, one of the unique features at Brown is that instead of doing an interview, they do a two-minute recorded video. And I would say anybody applying to the Plimi program needs to do that video because that's the one shot for the doctors to hear from the student in their own voice. Whereas a lot of other BSMD programs will still do live in-person interviews with students because anybody that's researched medical schools know that this is such an important part of the medical school application process. So students should be prepared to be able to talk with adults, be comfortable around adults and have that confidence. While the two-minute interview is fascinating, do you have any tips for this two-minute interview? Any best practices you can share with our listeners? Yeah, so this is actually something Brown has done pretty well is on their website, they've actually given a number of directions for students, but making sure you have good lighting, good sound, start by introducing yourself, saying, hi, my name is, and, and saying what high school you attend is always good, just to set the tone for the video. At the end, I always appreciated it when students ended by saying, thank you for considering my application. Brown likes to hear about why you want to go to Brown. So it's always important to touch on those points. But other than that, this is an opportunity for students to share aspects about themselves that they weren't able to fit into their personal statement or a supplemental essays. And students have done a lot of really interesting things. You can find a whole bunch of them out on YouTube right now. But I think being able to show pictures, taking videos from different places. When I was reading applications for Wisconsin, there was a student that was actually shoveling snow in her video, and that was quite memorable. It really brought the sense of place into to her application. And so we want students to have fun. We want them to add a little bit of a personality. But at the same time, remember that this could be reviewed by anyone that's a 23-year-old recent college grad to a 55-year-old grandparent. You're, you really got to work towards all audiences when you put this video together. But again, it's a chance for a student to let their voice come through in, in another way within their application that still remains fairly unique in the whole scheme of, of college admissions. And just with your experience at Brown's admissions office, I feel like I must ask you this question. I know that even when my brother was applying to Brown, a really big thing that drew him was that it was, you know, the happy Ivy and the open curriculum. Is there a certain type of student that you looked for within Brown applications? What types of students do you think would be most successful at Brown? I think with Brown students that find a good fit with it are the ones that are intellectually curious. Students that have a specific interest work great within the open curriculum because they can dive into that interest right away without any core uh, curriculum or, or gen ed restrictions. At the same time, I think a student that has a lot of different types of interests can do really well at Brown because at other schools, fitting in your love of English and biology and 
history could be tough as you, as you navigate around gen ed requirements. I think a student that would really struggle at Brown is one that needs a lot of direction. It's just because when you go into the open curriculum, you have about 2,000 courses that you can choose from, and you're only going to take, I think it's a total of 30 to 32 courses by the time you graduate. So it can be overwhelming the number of options that you have. So having some direction is important. And Brown takes a lot of pride in being that happy Ivy because one of the questions that they've asked year after year is about what students enjoy the most in, in high school. And I think the students that stress about answering that question probably aren't a good fit for Brown. They really want to know what you enjoy. This isn't a test of what was your biggest leadership experience? What was your biggest impact in your community? So reading things about students who enjoy doing origami is just a fun art form or walking their dog or having dinner with their family or friends. Like those stories can show the sense of like humanness that Brown is going for in the application process. And so anybody that's applying to Brown, if you think it's a good fit for you and you're, you're stressing about that question, just know that they really want to know what is the thing that you enjoy most in your daily experience. And as for my final pre-med related question here, what are some common mistakes or misconceptions that pre-med applicants should avoid during the application process? I can't believe it. We've gotten this far in the podcast and I haven't said this, but pre-med is not a major. Everyone thinks pre-med's a major. It's actually a track. It's a group of courses that can be taken at any college by almost any major. In fact, medical schools love to see students who major in areas outside of the traditional biology, biochemistry, biomedical engineering. I have a friend who went to medical school after majoring in French. And during my time at Brown, the doctors would tell us that the diversity of academic experience brought new perspectives to medicine and could help students develop those crucial bedside manners that, as I was saying before, sometimes pre-med students often neglect. I love that. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing your insights and expertise on all things pre-med. This was honestly such a fun and enlightening episode. I do have just one last question here before we end. If you could give one key piece of advice to parents or students, and this can be anything college applications, what would it be? Yeah, so this whole process is starting earlier and earlier. The thing that I would say is don't let this ruin a student's high school experience. And one way to go about that is finding one day per week in which you as a family talk college. And then every other day throughout the week, you don't. And I know this is easier said than, than done, but a lot of times it can be at a family dinner. So if you always eat dinner together on Tuesday night, I think this is the night where families, you have that opportunity to ask your child anything you want about college search or the application process or anything along those lines. And then you check in that following week. But by doing this, it starts to build some of that independence and autonomy that I was talking about before. Your, your child will start to feel like they're owning a bit of this process. But at the same time, it keeps them within reach. It allows you to keep them on track and making sure that they're achieving what they need to do. And so, again, I understand that this is much easier said than done, but I think it's a way to help manage the stress of both parents and students as they're going through this process. It's just finding that time where you have your weekly college meeting and then leave the rest of the week to all the other great things that you can be enjoying with your, your student before they go off to college. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to speak with one of our experts, you can set up a complimentary strategy call with one of our enrollment counselors by following the link in our episode description. 
And for more information and access to additional resources, you can register for our webinars, which is also linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, you can email me directly at noelle.kim at ingeniousprep.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside the Admissions Office. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you're notified every time a new episode is available. That's all for now. And I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.